I remember this. I've done it before, but I cleared a bunch of stuff because I started using this arcade site that had some bad repercussions. <laughs> wow. And so I was trying to just get rid of everything that was saved that had to do with that site, and I ended up erasing sure. a bunch of things. And I'm sure I erased some bookmarks. And so, because I remember this happened before, I used to get this warning. And the remedy is to bookmark the site. (laughs) That seems like that's just a little uh, marketing trickery. Chrome will automatically grant the persistence permission if any of the following are true. Oh, I see. All right. So it's not just a trick to get you to bookmark them. Yeah. Warning, you have not donated to our GoFundMe. (laughs) So anyway, that is now taken care of until Great. the next time I erase everything. <laughs> until the next time you get yourself in hot water. Because I just need to play related. Game Boy Super Mario Land. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Copyright 1989. Wow. Are you a Nintendo person? Well, I used to be as a child. And now that I have a child who is of that age, he's way into Mario Universe. And in playing all sorts of old things. And he even bought himself a Nintendo 64 on eBay. Because all of the vloggers that he likes to follow about Super Mario stuff love Nintendo 64. So I warned about that purchase that, you know, maybe it's not as cool as your Switch. And uh, you won't like it as much. But he likes it just as much, if not more, to play the retro games. So he's a true gamer, this guy. Yeah, he 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 enjoys um, Mario stuff for the most part, and I and that's something that we can share because I was pretty good at Mario in my day and know all the secrets. I didn't know that about you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have a regular Nintendo, um, but we did get a Super Nintendo when it was time, and so I did know those games and then retroactively learned the um, original Nintendo Mario games. There's not many like mass market pop culture phenomena that uh, I know that you're personally <laughs> entwined with. I know, and I I stopped with uh, 64. I so I don't know the 3D Mario universe that continues to confuse me and confound me. Sure, I've never played a Mario. I mean, I'm familiar with it. I went to friends' houses who had Super Nintendo and such, but I just never had one myself. I had PlayStation and stuff, but I've Actually, now, the rare times that I actually think about playing a video game, I think that Switch and those uh, Mario games and Link games, they look pretty fun. Yeah, they are good. And like the original Game Boy Super Mario Land takes me about 40 minutes to beat the thing start to finish. And so that's my go-to if I just need to kill some time or relax, that I can turn that on and it's easy and second nature. Yeah. And it focuses me. For me, that game series is Ratchet and Clank, which is a supremely stupid, cartoony, robot alien shooter thing on PlayStation. But yeah, I know every inch of those games and can put them on if I want to feel cozy and That's such a good feeling. Uh, Dan, I think you know what I'm going to ask you about next. What's that? Did you see any movies since the last time we talked? You know, I was a naughty little podcaster this week, (laughs) and I didn't because I know. So usually Sunday is my good movie day. And it was the Emmys last night, so I sure. had to make a choice, and I just decided to watch the Emmys, which were a little bit refreshing, I have to say. Emmys okay. usually get stuck in their ways, and they don't award yep. new things, but such a big night for Fleabag. How fun was that? Oh, yeah. I thought the winner's list was great, yeah. 
I thought you meant like the show itself. Was... Oh no, the show, yeah, execrable. But I mean, so to me, it was one of the worst shows in recent times. The mm-hmm. only grace was having no host, so at least the terrible patter, you know, was was the worst part of the produced show. The show was great. Been on the, the Fox for a while, or is remember. this the first time? I don't remember what the history is. There usually I, I saw a clip, and I saw the Fox little burn in the corner. I was like, Ew. yeah. <laughs> usually they kind of contract with these award shows for multiple years, and they don't switch networks very often. So my guess would be that it's been there for a while. To like, me, it just it, it's always reeked of a CBS production. No, ABC always has the Oscars, and NBC has the Globes. CBS has the Tonys, of oh. course, which is yes. even less popular, and it's completely appropriate for CBS. And I guess Fox has the Emmys. Well, fun. I did not see. Oh, I, did, I okay. Here's my deal. I the only new thing I saw I streamed, and I saw two movies in the theater, but they were both classic animated films. Oh. Because Disney's doing this thing called Dream Big Princess, and you know I'm there for that. I saw The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Both were very formative theatrical movie experiences for me. So it was wild and fun uh, to see them again alone as a 40-something man surrounded by (laughs) families with children. Yeah. But it was good. It really was kind of transported me back. It reminded me how lovely those movies are, how... um, kind of crude and handcrafted they look compared to the slick stuff we have now but how revelatory they were at the time and most of all i think what what i was reminded of is what a genius howard ashman was at breaking a story yeah and making those things feel breezy and natural and funny and boy disney movies have not been the same since his loss in terms of of story some are better than others but he just those were just cracking good musicals both of those movies I agree with you. And have I ever shared with you my personal shame that I've never seen The Little Mermaid? You mentioned it. I think I mentioned it to you. I think you mentioned that uh, you were not allowed because there was a witch in it. I think that that's right. Though I think that there was a a little bit of mixed morality there because Wizard of Oz was okay. Sure. You know, who knows? Wizard of Oz seems to be okay in those circles. But I agree with you about Ashman's contribution for sure. There was a to me, Aladdin seemed like a much different movie from Beauty and the Beast. And Aladdin was also overwhelmed by Robin Williams' performance, yes. I think. And so it just was sure. a very different movie. And I feel like, in a way, it was good for crossing into new territory without Howard Ashman. Um, yeah. But the the lyrics and the way that the songs integrate into Disney movies, to me, were not the same after Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and I see something even more contemporary like Frozen, and Frozen's fine. It's very entertaining and fun, and my kid loves it. But I felt like the story was very convoluted. I didn't like the way that it flowed. The songs, yeah, it didn't have a natural musical flow, to me anyway. Um, uh, I know a lot of people love it and disagree with that. Um, And I'm probably comparing it too much to the classic Disney Renaissance 90s stuff. Do you think they've ever... I mean, I don't know that you would top it, but had they ever equaled Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast in their supporting characters? I feel like they have this mechanism where we come up with some creative supporting characters that are funny and help the protagonist, and they're really well integrated into the story, and we actually care about the supporting characters. And they had really great supporting characters in Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And then I feel like we got to Aladdin. And like 
Abu and Iago were not as good. Yeah. As for and, sure. and then maybe people like Timon and Pumbaa in Lion King, but I just yeah. feel like after Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid, their supporting characters just never quite hit that bar. It certainly fell into formula. And by the time you have things like Pocahontas and uh, Hunchback, right? it feels like, well, we're going to do this big, dramatic musical number stuff. Oh, but then we have to cut to some silliness with the, with the animals. But it all felt, it feels compartmentalized. Whereas you're right, in, in, the, in the Ashman Mencken stuff, it's very organic and the, the characters all have something to do. And they're, yeah, it like, just became kind of more piecemeal. We saw the live musical adaptation just last year of Hunchback in Seattle of, of the Disney version. And those gargoyles were completely cut. (laughs) And I thought like, how makes sense. I know they are, they aren't beloved characters at all, but it's just like how little impact did they have that when you're trying to market a well-known property as a musical of all things that you cut (laughs) the supporting characters. What a waste of Jason Alexander too. He could have been a very memorable Disney character. Right. That's totally true. That as just as a musical too, though Hunchback was always just insane to me. Yeah. I mean, some interesting music, but just so over the top and gothic and not appropriate for a Disney cartoon. And I, I should rewatch it. I mean, I remember I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I really liked the score, but that was about it. Um, but I think that people were kind of taken with the visuals and with parts of the adaptation. I don't yeah. remember really the gargoyles though at all. And it's such a strange idea to adapt that yeah. to a Disney movie. It was a terrible, I thought it was a terrible stage production. I did think they did a good job. How is Disney going to portray Quasimodo? And I thought that they put all their effort into that and he looked interesting. And Tom Hulse was a kind of inspired casting mm-hmm. to make him sympathetic. But then I just, the rest of it was very, either bland or just insane the villain the fact that there's a villain song which is an old priest in front of a fire singing about how much he lusts after it's just so weird yeah it is really strange the stage adaptation took the extra step of hiring a deaf actor as quasimodo which Mm. is a cool move for inclusion and then he needed a singing double so he was followed around by this person dressed as a gargoyle who would sing the huh. role. And I forget if he was lip syncing or not in those moments. Um, but that was an interesting, if if not problematic, conceit. Good yeah. for inclusion and very just very different. Sure. It sounds a little convoluted in terms of watching the performance. But That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the new thing that I saw was I did stream Between Two Ferns, the movie on Netflix. I don't know what that is. Uh, you're not familiar with Between Two Ferns? It's Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> it's exactly it, it, what I'm saying. It has been a uh, <laughs> series of funny or die videos where he kind of very sardonically in a weird kind of public access format interviews very, very famous people and just kind of uh, passively insults them the whole time. Oh, I mean, that sounds and, good. Yeah, they're, like, the shorts are good if you find them on YouTube. The movie was pretty good. I was surprised. So like Jiminy Glick? Kind of, except it's Zach, so it's like very underplayed as opposed to being over the yeah. top. It's just very, you can you, know, you can YouTube one really quick with Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper. Uh, the, oh, the movie's good enough to check it out right on Netflix. Wisely, turning you know a series of 
cheap, short internet videos into a movie does not sound like a very good proposition, but they kept it very short. They kept the stakes low. And um, as far as a movie version of something stupid that probably doesn't deserve a movie version, it's pretty good. It's pretty funny. Well, that sounds good. I do like Zach Galifianakis. And yeah. I continue to mourn the ending of Baskets. So, well, and here's an interesting thing: in interviews, it's directed by Scott Ackerman, who is the host of Comedy Bang Bang and many, 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 many podcasts. Mm-hmm. And he um, he co-created it with Zach. And he said they were initially thinking of of a movie about ten years ago of this because it's been around for for a good while. And they came up with some ideas, which actually then morphed into Baskets. Oh. So the plot and the family and all that stuff of baskets was going to just be the kind of background story behind between two ferns. But then I think it, it probably just became too rich and too interesting and to, to kind of waste that way. We were blessed with baskets. Well, that's a great origin story. Sure enough. So you know what I've been watching? What's that? I've continued watching Into the Dark. Oh, the, okay. The curated thing on Hulu. It's our Into the and, Dark update. Yes. So I'm not going to go all into these because now that I understand that it's a web series, each individual one is kind of less interesting to describe. But I continue to enjoy them. You can't. I can't say that I started from the beginning because they're in no real order except that they do appear in an order on, uh, on the selection screen. And some are stronger than others. Um, they get uh, some interesting actors in there like Diana Silver who I really like in anything she's in. She was the um, girl who one of the girls hooks up with in Booksmart and she was in Ma kind of little oh, bit yeah. up and coming actress. Yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah. She's, she's in the second one as a, a girl with agoraphobia. And uh, there's a, the guy from casual Leon from casual is in the Christmas one called Puka where he plays this uh, kind of annoying stuffed puppet person character that takes over his life and uh yeah they're they are not a bad way to pass 90 minutes to two hours i've been enjoying them all right well uh that is noted i am gonna see ad astra wednesday night that is next on my list as well yeah and the reviews are good the reviews are a little mixed uh but the it's one of those things where like if you enjoy this kind of film you'll probably like it and i think it sounds like it might be my cup of tea. I saw that it is first reformed in space. Oh, <laughs> which sounds well, that perfect. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Then I will be going away for a week, going to Orlando with the family, but then I'll be back and start watching movies again. I do have a question for you. I think we talked about this. Did mm-hmm. you ever complete Downton Abbey or was that, or did you quit early? I quit around season four and I never went back. Okay. Are you planning to see the movie? It wouldn't be terribly hard to catch up, I suppose, if it's just a couple seasons. And I actually did consider seeing the movie. And in fact, it's it's possible I will be able to sneak in an extra movie tomorrow, and that is one of the ones I'm considering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've I've heard nothing but good things. You know, mostly like if you like the show, you'll like it. But I have also heard some critics who had never seen a moment of the show who thought it was you know sufficiently cozy and. uh, So yeah, I'm not. I will probably catch up with that. If not in the theater, I will definitely make. Uh, sure to watch it. I understand you don't need to be completely caught up on the show. Right. It's kind of like its own right, right. self-contained uh, thing, but it's on my radar. Yeah, I'll probably see it. So it looks like Jojo Rabbit is good. Yeah, it looked we- it looked weird there for a while. It did. I wasn't sure at all, and now Initial it is absolutely. Good and then it started to get icky. Yeah, 
right? It won the audience award at whatever that was. Um, and a lot of Best Picture nominees have done that. And so now it is seen as being a real top contender. And I'm excited wow. about that. Which is crazy being such a big swing of a, of a concept movie and like yeah. apparently so goofy. But uh, it seems like it's also timely. So I know the right I'm, kind of a weird movie for our day. Right. Sasha Stone has it in the top three right now, which is wow, real fun. Yeah, I guess it's it's already getting interesting. It's going to be a lot of a lot of must sees. Yeah, it's like too early for oh for sure lock conversations, but definitely thinning out. Uh, all right, Dan. Anything else to catch us up on, or are we ready for? A I break? don't. I don't think so. It was it was a pretty boring week for me, entertainment consumption wise. All right. Okay, then we'll take a break and come back and talk about our feature for the week. BRB. Like it sounds like you were driving it for a lot of the years when I still lived in New York. Yeah, I suppose I would have been. Yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Car talk, <laughs> Josh and Dan. Car talk with Josh and Dan. <laughs> New brand. About that's about as far as uh, I mean, Ford v Ferrari will probably be the extent of our oh, yeah. uh, our right. car talk this year. Oh, I can't imagine having to talk about cars any more than I just did. And that oh, was a self-interested anecdote. Uh, all right. Uh, we watched we watched The Majestic, which is a 2001 drama romance film directed by Frank Darabont from a script by Michael Sloan. It stars Jim Carrey in his serious actor in big concept movies period as Peter Appleton an up-and-coming Hollywood screenwriter in 1951 whose career is derailed when he appears suddenly on the McCarthy blacklist, seemingly unjustly, like like most of the names. His girlfriend uh, dumps him. He gets drunk and drives off of a bridge into the Pacific Ocean, then washes up on shore the next morning. He is... Uh, regaining consciousness but has lost his memory and the nearest locality is an idyllic american town called lawson a community that lost a disproportionate number of young men in world war ii uh, the entire population of the town including lots of character actors and frank darabont regulars like david ogden steers jack wiltshire hal hallbrook and uh, jeffrey DeMunn mistake peter for a fallen soldier named uh luke trimble son of widower and lonely guy harry trimble played by martin landau and um peter plays along because he really truly does not know who he is and everyone is just so dang nice so he joins this community and starts to rebuild someone else's life uh he moves in with harry and eventually they reopen the movie theater called the majestic, which they used to run. And he brings hope and new life to this town and even resumes a relationship with the doctor's daughter, 
uh, Adele, played by Lori Holden, another Darabont regular. And then uh, then his memory uh, starts to come back, and the consequences of the blacklisting begin to catch up with him, and things just spiral out into lots of plot stuff from there. So this movie came out in 2001, December 2001, which means, Dan, that it was made before 9-11, but released after it, which is interesting. I would have believed, uh, given its tone and its patriotic fervor and old-fashionedness, that it was a product of 9-11, but that's just kind of a weird accident. Uh, this is Frank Darabont famously uh, directed a couple of, of Stephen King properties, like Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption, before this movie. And uh, I'd say this is him trying to make a Jimmy Stewart movie, a Mr. Smith goes to Washington for uh, the millennium. Uh, and even the movie's poster is like a direct homage to to uh, that movie and to Jimmy Stewart kind of posters in general. And so I guess that context of knowing that's what he set out to do is important to trying to appreciate this movie. I was not a fan of this movie in 2001. If I recall this correctly, I had mostly snobbish reasons for not being impressed. I was dubious of, of dramatic Jim Carrey on the one hand. I, I held out as long as I could on Jim Carrey being a, a big, serious actor. Uh, but mostly I was disappointed by the film's tone and its kind of cheesiness uh, because I was such a fan of Darabont's previous two features, the the King adaptations, which I thought were so cool and and, and deep and and well done. Um, and watching it today without those qualifications, I had a mixed response to the drama romance film. Um, there's a lot I like, and there's a lot that leaves me scratching my head, but Dan, what is your history and experience and relationship with the majestic? Um, nothing until I just saw it. So I had been aware just vaguely that it existed and that Jim Carrey is in it. I probably would have possibly gone to it at the time because I was a fan of Jim Carrey's dramatic time. Like Truman Show is one of my all-time favorites. I liked that path that his career was taking. Um, and it is interesting, the timing of it, like you say, it being made before 9-11, but then coming out right after and part of me was thinking, like, is this the film anybody wanted to see after 9-11? And it turns out it, it was what Roger Ebert wanted to see after 9-11. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the film that I wanted to see today, mm -hmm. if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not a poorly made film. I, I felt bewildered by a lot of it. Yeah. As an homage, maybe I can understand it. But the reason why like some pastiche stuff or some homage stuff doesn't work is because the past is the past. We've evolved beyond it. And I, I was really annoyed by the townspeople, that conceit where everyone just always gathers and appears when they're needed and everyone and, and whatever's happening with the main characters is the only thing that anybody else in the town cares about. And they're all there just to respond to the happenings in the life of the centralized character like and i guess yes if we're going for capra and we're going for it's a wonderful life and i get that but then i almost wonder if um darabont might have risen to the level of more obvious satire 
where he's make, making that obvious. Otherwise, it just seemed like, what are these dolts doing with their lives but to show up and watch Jim Carrey? My other thing, my big thing with this was, what is this movie about? Because if it's about a depressed town being able to find its life and its joy again, and the renovation of this long closed down theater is an embodiment of that. Okay. Or is this about oppression and standing up for your rights as a U.S. citizen and a little ode to freedom of speech in America? Because to me, those two films were not working together that well. Well, I yeah, I'm, I think I'm right there with you on a lot of that, Dan. Um, uh, yeah, it, they're like a benevolent Springfield, like you say. The the, car- the yeah. townspeople are just props. It's just a swarm of really nice people. I would have liked it if more than just one person was dubious and not not a not a creepy dark kind of character. Like there's a lot of those in Darabont movies, and he has the one kind of greasy guy, Bob, who I know you're. I know you're you're full of it it took a little bit of time for adele to kind of warm but i don't know i felt like it was just yeah the the town is like a one organism all that is segues into my other issues with the bigger overall story of and the arc of this character peter appleton because i don't feel like he has a character arc until the last act he's introduced in the beginning of the movie as a neutral person, a kind of a bland, he's, he's up and coming. He's got a girlfriend. Everything's going great. He's not portrayed as, as far as I could see, he's not portrayed as a jerk who needs to learn a lesson, right? No. He's kind of a hapless guy. And this horrible thing happens to him. And then he has this incredible experience. And then all of a sudden when his memory comes back, he's kind of a jerk. He's self-centered. He's, he's, and then he has to learn a lesson about like to me that should have those seeds should have been sown at the beginning of the movie so that there was some kind of a journey. Yeah. I th- as I'm thinking about it now, it reminds me of the plot of anyone can whistle a little bit where mm-hmm. there's this town that's depressed and they can't get anyone to come to it and they're just despairing. And then water spurts out of a rock and suddenly all of these religious pilgrims come to town and want to see this miracle. And it turns out to be a miracle for the town because suddenly there's business again and people are coming through it again. And it turns out that the miracle is a fake, but in the end, who cares? Because the town has been revitalized. Yeah, And I think that that story might've worked a little better if, but what was the thing with the blacklisting and like this and then we need to pull out a copy of the Constitution and do the right thing and stuff. Because right. the point is, this was his return was a miracle for this town. And it turned out to be a fake miracle, but it didn't matter because they kind of got their groove back. That alone might have been a more satisfying art house level film. Yeah. I feel it got lost in the other stuff. But by way of its placement and time and the uh, political milieu that it um, ended up being a part of, it seemed to be about like our freedoms and when our government takes away our freedoms for supposedly our own good, but is that in our constitution? It, that uh, that to me did not fit with the rest of the movie. Yeah, it feels like they that, again, Darabont didn't write this, which I think is another right. one of the issues. He was working from his own script on those other two films, which I thought were are still excellent and hold up. Um, so, but whoever, the guy who wrote this, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it felt like he, they just couldn't help themselves being in the 50s. You got to throw in the McCarthy stuff. And it felt like you say a major distraction. They could have uh, done something like the story you described. Those beats would have would have worked and it would have made sense instead of these people don't have a chance to recover from finding out that their lost son, Luke, isn't really Luke till they're just a little grumpy. And then they watch it on TV, like all that stuff. And the whole scene of the hearing, I thought, was was very hokey. And oh, that was earned. horrible. Just the, they how Holbrook order order like, like, over what? and over again. Letting yeah. him talk and losing control of their own. They could shut him down and have him dragged out. There's no reason for it to be like that. Right. December 2001 is too soon. And also the movie's written a year, several years probably before 9-11. Mm-hmm. So it's not right. a response to the Patriot Act right. or anything. None of that right. stuff happened yet. Right. But that's how it was. Inter- and I'm just speaking for Ebert. That's how Roger Ebert interpreted it. Yeah. You know, and then, hey, it came out that time. That's where his mind went. But you're right. That wasn't in the creation of it. I wish that the tone would have been more like Shawshank or Green Mile, a little more menace, a little more mystery or danger. I think that imagine if uh, Jim Carrey's character wasn't centered from the beginning. Imagine if it began with the town and the towns and we meet the townspeople first and we meet Martin Landau first, even. And then all of a sudden, this stranger appears in town who doesn't know who he is. And maybe he's the lost son and and the audience doesn't know. Yep. And then we come to find out that, oh, you drove off a bridge, it turns out, and suddenly the memory comes back. And we're learning with him why seeing that film in the theater jogs his memory, you know, rather than already knowing it. Right. Like, why not discover that along with him? That might have been intriguing. That's absolutely stronger. Is it just because you've got Jim Carrey, you can't help but kind of give him an arc, but a non-arc, but put, you know, give him an opening act? It would have been so much stronger the way you're describing if, if, if it has that mystery and that constant pathos. Right. Because it's also him finding himself. Yep. But I think that since we have to bookend with the McCarthy stuff, it seems like that's what the screenwriter was more interested in. And also, I don't like these depictions of middle America and we're getting left behind. And this is who we are as a country in diners and church ice cream socials. And this thing that is actually a lot of oppression and repression. Yep. In in American life, it's not all wonderful for a lot of people, and I don't like to um, be nostalgic for right. it, frankly. Well, this could be a MAGA movie, despite the fact that right. it thinks that it's very pro-freedom and pro-First Amendment. It That's could be definitely saying, yeah. used. Yeah, it's got MAGA themes. It has a lot of MAGA themes. Um, that said, there were things that I liked about it. I like the look about it. I like Lori Holden as an actress. Yeah. I she's shown up on TV stuff that I like and I think she's so pleasing. She's yeah, she's, she's warm great. and she's genuine and I really wish that there were more vehicles for her. Mm-hmm. Cuz when I saw her I was like, "Oh, I know, I know her." And I'm like looking her up, "Oh, right, right." Um but if this was the kind of thing that she was in like in 2001, you know, to me she hasn't had much of a film career come out of that. Yeah, I I really like the cinematography. Again, I like seeing all those character actor faces, and uh, I don't mind the pace. The, the length of the movie was frustrating because I felt like there was there was it wasn't earned, and, and there were two different movies going on. Right. 
um, in the end, his decision to return to the town, it's nice, but it doesn't feel like the inevitable end of an arc because he was very happy at the beginning of the movie to, you know, despite the, the trappings of the Hollywood system, he still managed to make it and he was happy. So this is just an alternate way for him to be happy that I guess, according to the movie's themes and values is more authentic and more American or whatever. But I, I just didn't really care either way. By that point, I did not feel invested in the character. Right. And this doesn't matter because this isn't um, relevant with what the story is trying to do. But he had no rights to that theater <laughs> yeah. in the end. Yeah. How, what's he going to start a new life? He owns that theater because he lied to the owner and now he thinks it's his? Right. After the owner's passing? Probably not. If the movie had played out in the way you suggested where we go on the journey with the townspeople and then ultimately with him and remembering who he is, there would be a lot more to answer for. And then there would be more drama in that. But in this version of the movie where the whole town is this kind of benevolent organism, they are all nice. They're all good. They're all disappointed. There's a little bit of a hint that they're they're angry with him, but he's just let off the hook so easily. And then he's embraced back as a true son. And none of it feels very uh, real at all. Right. I thought the congressional hearing was laughable, like one of one of the worst movie scenes I can remember in a long time. And but the people were so taken with it because free speech, First Amendment. Right. And that when he came back, not only was it all okay, they somehow knew he was coming and all turned out at the train station. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the scene where they're in the diner listening to it, and all the right. really old guys are like, yeah, that, what's this country coming to? And it's like, there's not any real true right-winger old school guys in there. <laughs> like, right. they're all right. just, it was silly. Right. I, I just I just think a repositioning of the characters and allowing some mystery and some danger and getting rid of the whole blacklisting thing you could bring it up as like, well, that's what led to the accident. You were a Hollywood screenwriter and you were blacklisted and right. you got drunk and you ended up off a bridge. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't hate the movie. I um, I probably, my, my esteem, since I kind of was very dismissive of it back then, I didn't really watch it as a film. I kind of just had a bad attitude about it. It's fine. It looks good. I don't think it earns its, its running time, so I don't know if I'd recommend. You'd have to really be interested. Right. Uh, if it looks good to you, check it out. But um, it, to me, it's a bit of a misfire. Uh, a shame that we haven't gotten more films from Darabont. He's done a lot of TV. He was involved in creating the Walking Dead series, so that's been quite successful for him. Um, mm. But he also directed another King adaptation of The Mist, which was more of a straight horror movie. I have a question for you. Um, at the time, do you think Matt Damon was an obvious distracting cameo? Yeah, that's a good question. It was this time. I, I don't think sure I noticed was this it time. the first time. Yeah, like it, immediately when that voiceover started, it was like, is that Matt Damon? Today, I recognized it instantly, but I'm wondering back, back then, I don't remember, you know, and he's in the credits even. So I don't know that he was at that level yet. It's not even Goodwill Hunting yet, right? That was it. Was post Goodwill? Oh, that's Hunting. right. That was late nineties. I thought it was. Yeah, it would have been post that and Ripley, and post so, Saving Private Ryan. So yeah, that must have been a move true. to have him the All American Soldier. You get Matt Damon. 
right? Well, they wanted him for the role, I understand. Hmm. Um, I read something about that, but then he didn't end up getting it. That would have been a much different movie yeah. with Matt Damon playing that role. We haven't talked about Jim Carrey a whole lot. I um, Ugh. I don't know, man. <laughs> I've, okay, so I am, like I say, I'm team Jim Carrey when it comes to things like Truman Show where there's a little bit of drama, but he can still bring his Jim Carreyness yeah. to it. I liked his Truman Show performance a lot. I, I felt like it was authentic and interesting I really liked him in that movie and I saw flashes of that here, but it was too much. Mm-hmm. He seemed like an, like an idiot mm-hmm. when he would just, you know, he's being carried around town and he's just smiling with that right. stupid smile. Yeah. And like, I just hated it. <laughs> I, I, I hated how he was in this movie. I think he was just bringing a lot of commitment to each moment, but the character was so stupid. Right. That what can you do? And because he didn't have a proper character arc set up, he literally is just walking into walls for m- large passages in the center of the movie, for an hour and a half in the middle of the movie. He's exactly. just, okay, whatever, what's this? Okay. There's no character work. There's no feeling. There's no, you know, he's not just making decisions. He's not, like, he's just kind of existing. And it's not until that night in the Majestic seeing the movie that there's any kind of spark of anything going on uh, inside of him. Right. Like, wouldn't that be a distressing thing for a person to have no idea who you are or how you got here? Or if you know all the people around you, wouldn't there be some inner turmoil that you'd be experiencing and some desperation? He didn't seem to. Yeah. He's just walking about, getting ordered around by people. You mentioned his his smile. There is a face he makes, which I think he thinks it's like a muted smile, but it comes across as like a sarcastic grimace where he's showing teeth and it's just kind of like, and he does that so much in this movie. It's like horrible. Aw, shucks smile. And I think he thinks he's Jimmy Stewarting, but he's not. Right. It's so bad coming from him. I just really, really dislike it. I found the character to be repelling and repugnant. Um, it's my least favorite Jim Carrey wow. performance. If wow. I mean, and I'm and I'm considering all of them. Yeah, and that's not because they gave him repugnant things to do. It's because they gave him no. nothing to do, and he kind of just squirmed in the role. Right. For want of a character, the performance is muddled. Yeah. Not surprising. So this is a movie that virtually, uh, I believe it. I believe it bombed. Um, it certainly oh, yeah. disappeared. It, it's you can't. It's hard to find it. It's it's remarkable that they even have it for rental on Amazon. Oh, I got it for free on Vudu. Nice. Yeah, th- uh, thirty-seven million to a seventy-two million dollar budget. That's mm. a real, real bomb. And that's a that's Jim Carrey in two thousand and one. Right. He should have been able to open that movie. Yeah. And I mean Frank Darabont yeah. even at the height of what should have been the height of his success. He's the reason I saw it. Yeah. Well. uh all right, that's the majestic, I guess. Any any closing thoughts? I got no. You always ask that, Sorry. and I always have none. Uh, that is the majestic. We are going to um, take a week off while I'm away, and then we'll be back. And uh, I don't know. We might try out a new schedule. You were you were cool with my suggestion on that, Dan? Yeah, that's good. Do you want to do a, a non second half next time? Sure, we'll just catch up. I'm sure we will have seen some stuff by then. 
Sure. So we can just we'll, check we'll in have more to releases say. and then we'll, we'll do it. Good. So we're going to do a, uh, we're going to talk about a title every other time and then we'll still get together every week to at least talk about the new stuff that we've seen. If suddenly our fan base shows up and demands a more regular schedule, we'll, we'll, we'll respond. We listen. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Um, I guess that's been our podcast. We've been Dan and Josh. You can follow us both on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. The show is at Holds Up Pod on Twitter. And our music is by Jonah Rapino. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back to talk to you again uh, eventually. And um, take care of yourself. And also with you. A pleasure as always. As always. Sorry I made you watch this movie. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. It, it definitely had uh, discussable elements. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. A weird misfire. A weird little... Uh... The thing that stinks is that they probably both thought this was their their Mr. Smith goes to Washington. They both probably thought this is gold. America is so ready for this. Oh, so bad. Like... And usually stuff that's bad, like I like it, you know, I'm, right. I'm into analyzing the badness and I'm just thrilled. My soul is, it just sings with each new mistake. And that's not what happened on this one. It was just like, well, Jim ugh. Carrey had had anything to work with and had done some kind of over the top performance, even if it was terrible, it would be right. remarkable. It'd be something to talk about. Right. But yeah. Very, very bland. Yeah. It was, it was boring. Unbuttered toast. Yeah.